Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 400. So with episode 400, this isn't timed this way. It just happened to be this way. We've got cruises coming back. Yes, Adventure of the Seas sailing out of the Bahamas. And this week, I wanted to break down this big announcement, what I've got planned, and what this means. Here we go. We've been waiting over a year, and now it looks like we're actually going to have Royal Caribbean Cruises to go on this summer, and I couldn't be happier about it. So this week, I wanted to talk about the big news, the biggest news we've had in quite a while, and that is Adventure of the Seas restarting cruises this summer. Now, you may have read at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com that Adventure of the Seas, and also uh, Vision of the Seas as well, will be restarting cruises this summer. Adventure will be sailing from Nassau, and Vision will be sailing out of Bermuda, and these are going to be... Uh, cruises beginning this summer. Adventure begins first in June, and Vision will begin a little later. And, you know, the news of this came out actually two weeks ago, and you might have thought, well, Matt, wouldn't you have done the episode last week? Because that would have been like right after the news came out. And I literally was sitting here about to record, and I said, no, 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 I'm going to wait because I wanted to make sure I booked a cruise and got everything going because I wanted to give the whole picture. So Adventure of the Seas will begin cruises June 12th out of Nassau. They'll be offering seven night cruises with two stops at Perfect Day, Coco Key, as well as a stop in Freeport, Bahamas, as well as Cozumel, Mexico. That means there are two sea days on this cruise. I have never been on Adventure of the Seas, so I am super excited to cross that one off my list. But I really, really love the itinerary. The fact that it is going to Perfect Day, Coco Key, not once but twice and two days in a row is really exciting. I'm I'm a little disappointed that we're not we're not doing an overnight, at least not in the sense of the word. Um, the ship is definitely there for two days in a row, but it appears based on the itinerary right now that it will be a nine to five day, and then you get on the ship, and then I assume we're going to leave Coco Key, go out to international waters to the casino, and the shops can open up, and then we'll return in the morning. Not a big deal. I would have preferred if we could have stayed there at least till dusk. Like first of all. In the summertime, it doesn't get dark in the Bahamas like in Florida until, geez, 7 o'clock, a little later than that. And in June, I mean, you're really talking about sunlight, a lot of sunlight until closer to 8 o'clock. So it would have been really great to have, like, if they could have extended it. Obviously, from a business standpoint, let's be real, you know, this is a cost to them, right? Having people, the longer they have employees on the island, the more it costs them. I mean, they're making money to some extent, but... It's not quite the same thing. I think if this were pre-COVID, there'd be a different situation in terms of keeping the ship there longer because they could have, you know, had a ship that's full of capacity, could have had another ship there as well. You know, that that helps make the break even a little bit better. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that maybe part of me thinks maybe they'll change that. But, you know, I, I didn't think we were really new, like an overnight overnight that, you know, where the island is open in the at nighttime. That would have been amazing. But Okay, I'll take what I can get. I'm not going to be too complaining. I'm just saying that in the grand scheme of things, you know, I think there was a little bit of hope that it might be at least in the evening because it seems to me like why wouldn't you do that? But I suspect that, um, you know, it's just not in the cards at this point. So at any rate, you've got that uh, over there. Uh, Freeport is an interesting port as well to visit. There's not a ton to do. Even pre-COVID, Freeport was not a very visited port. Now, Royal Caribbean has started doubling down on Freeport. Something to keep in mind going forward is um, actually Royal Caribbean. If you remember before the whole shutdown, Royal Caribbean announced a project to buy the Grand Lucayan Resort in Freeport and develop a giant port area, very similar to um, kind of a cross between Perfect Day Coco Key and Falmouth, Jamaica, if you've 
been over there. It's a it's not a private island, obviously. They're just buying the hotel. They're also buying the harbor rights, and they're essentially going to create this giant port area, a walled garden, if you will, for Royal Caribbean guests. And that was pre-COVID. Post-COVID, they actually have been renegotiating the deal with the bah- the Bohemian government. Actually, the Bahamas owns the resort. The Bahamas bought the resort a number of years ago from the owner because the owner was, I think, facing financial trouble. And they didn't want to see the resort become just dilapidated and fall apart. So they bought it. And now Royal Caribbean is buying it from the government. And they're in the final stages of the discussions to purchase it. But the project is still on. There was a report that came out about a month ago where from the Port of Galveston that Royal Caribbean had told the Port of Galveston there are two projects that are still going ahead as planned, or at least somewhat planned. One is the new port in Galveston, and the other is this port in, in Freeport. Why am I telling you all about this port in Freeport? Well, I think what Royal Caribbean is trying to do is show the Bohemian government, listen, even before we got anything to really sell here, we're going to start bringing more people to Freeport as a way to kind of, you know, show some goodwill. I think there's, I think that's some aspect of it. In addition, there's only so many options available to you in terms of ports that are open. You know, that that's always been a concern all along. Where will ships be able to visit, you know, once they initially begin? And the answer right now is the Bahamas and Mexico. Mexico is open, has been open almost the entire time for tourist areas. So that's not terribly surprising. And the Bahamas, I always suspected, would play game as soon as Royal Caribbean was willing to, to cruise again. But, you know, we're not visiting other places per se, at least not off the bat anyway. In the Caribbean, certainly American territories like Puerto Rico and St. Thomas are off because you can't visit there because of the uh, CDC requirements. So that's out. And then you've got, uh, you know, some other, uh, you know, islands that, you know, St. Martin a little too far away for this particular itinerary, perhaps. And, you know, it's just it's one of those things. But um, I, I, the fact that it's selling out of Nassau is truly surprising, because if you would ask me the day before, Matt, will Royal Caribbean sell out of Nassau? I would have said, no way, dude, there's no way I don't. No, and here we are. So this just goes to show you that I am a ter- I, I don't know any more than you guys do, and I'm a terrible predictor of these kind of things. But it is uh, surprising. I'm happy at the least that it's a very short uh, hop over. You know, Celebrity is going to restart cruises in the Caribbean over from St. Martin, and Vision of the Seas is starting from Bermuda, as I mentioned earlier. And those places aren't like you know across the world by any means. I mean, it's certainly better than flying to Israel or Singapore. Uh, but that being said. There is a bit, I mean, going to Nassau from Florida is about an hour flight at most, you know, and whereas going to St. Martin is a couple hours, Bermuda, the same thing. So this is a very convenient port to visit. It would have been great if there was a ferry service that goes to Nassau. Unfortunately, there isn't one, but I digress. You know, I was happy to see that because that makes it so much easier to get there. It's still a flight. And as a Florida, any Floridian who's listening to this, you know, flying to a cruise is like heresy. It's like, it's like. Wearing winter clothing, you know, like a heavy jacket. Like, you don't do that as Florida. <laughs> we just, we're so used to, we're so spoiled by having cruise ships in Florida that you don't do that. But the reality is most people fly to their cruise, right? If you're from the Northeast, if you're from the Midwest, you're from the West Coast, I mean, you're flying. You're just used to it. It's just the part of the game. And to me, I'm, st- I feel like I'm not that far removed from living up North that I don't remember what it's like. So it's not the big, biggest deal in the world. But for me, what I ended up doing in order to maximize this, and we're actually doing a back-to-back cruise on adventure. This is, I booked the first two sailings. So that's the uh, June 12th and the June 19th sailing on adventure. We got the same room for both. It was actually, well, I say it was pretty easy to get the room I wanted because I used my travel agent. I got to tell you guys, if there's one lesson I've learned already, 
the I, well, I already knew about the value of a good travel agent. I've been telling you about this for years and years and years, but my goodness did a travel agent save me time. You know, when these new sailings went on sale, I knew that number one, there's gonna be limited capacity, so I need to act quickly to get the room I want. And number two, prices will go up from there. And my travel agent was we didn't know if it was gonna the rooms are gonna be available at midnight. 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., who didn't know? My travel agent was on top of it. When I woke up the next morning, I had a text message from her, and I had the, I had the, you know, the the total, the room number, good to go. Oh, I was so happy about that. So, again, big shout-out to our friends at MEI Travel, which, by the way, full disclosure, they are a sponsor of RealCreamBlog.com, but I use them personally for a reason, um, and, and I've been using them even before they were sponsored. So, again, if you're not using a travel agent, whether you're looking at Adventure, whether you're looking at Vision, or anything else. And Jewel, this he's got announced also for Europe. So, hey, you never know. Use a travel agent. It really just, you stand to benefit from it and you got nothing to lose, everything to gain. And boy, was this an example of, of an important one. And I got to tell you, when we booked that, it was so, it, it's a little surreal, honestly, because we're, I've been making final payments for cruises. I've been booking little cruises here and there. I've been making final payments for cruises here and there. And each time it's like, I don't get excited because, you know, during the shutdown, it's like, well, who knows if these, Sailings will actually go, but this one is actually going to go. My kids are probably more excited than I am because it's like, finally, we get to go back on a cruise. Like that to me is, it's surreal because we've been so beaten down with everything going on, right? We're so used to just like this, like trudging through, well, I mean, I think we're all been really keeping an eye on the CDC and we're, that's, I think been like the major light we've been looking for at the end of the tunnel. And all of a sudden, we would be going through this tunnel, and all of a sudden, this this off ramp appeared, and there, the sun is coming up over the horizon, and birds are singing, and the and the and the bees are buzzing, and and uh, I don't know, there's somebody uh, humming a tune. It's you know zippity doo dah over here. It's amazing, truly amazing, and I I could not be more excited about this. I I remember when I booked the cruise, or when these were announced, and I was just like, it was like pinch. I literally was pinching myself because I couldn't fathom that we were actually going to be able to go on a cruise again. So exciting for this. And it's and only that. Thank you, Royal Caribbean, for making this exactly when my kids are out of school. Um, so this is like, I, you know, usually when we're trying to book a cruise, you know, you got to wear a school calendar, this and this and this. Perfect timing. Could have been easier for our family to to get away. So, uh, boy, did this work out for me. I got, I got to say, I really love that. Um, so we're going to fly into NASA. We're going to fly in a day early, which, as you all know, even before COVID, I always recommend coming in at least a day ahead of time. We're going to come in a day ahead of time. We're going to stay at a uh, hotel uh, near the beach. Um, I've, already, I've already gone through two different resorts that I've booked. You know, one of my advice if you're booking a hotel before any cruise is always book refundable hotel. Fare. Never give in to the temptation to pre-book and lock in the rate. Like sometimes hotels will give you a little bit of a better rate if you commit to it, but non-refundable hotel fare is a mistake because hotel fare changes like every day. I think, you know, in terms of volatility, rental cars is the worst, like, or the best, however you want to look at it. They have the most volatility because their rental car prices will change by the hour. Hotel prices are the next most volatile. I mean, they will charge, they will change daily, weekly. Um, I remember on the Anthem of the Seas group cruise out in New York City that we did a couple of years ago, I changed hotels like three or four times because I found a great hotel at a great rate, and I was like, yeah, this looks good. And then a week or two later, oh, oh, this other hotel is now is a better price. So, yeah, always keep doing that. Anyway, I'm on my second hotel now. Um, as we get closer and, and I do a pre-cruise uh, preview here on the podcast, 
I'll give you guys an idea which hotel I ended up staying at. But, you know, look at hotel prices. That's that's a good idea. I did make one mistake. And I don't know that I would have known it was a mistake at the time. But now, in retrospect, it was a bit of a mistake, I think. And that is I booked my airfare too early. Not too early in the sense of, like, too far before my cruise. But what ended up – so when Royal Caribbean announced the Adventure of the Sea Sailings, they announced it on one day. And the sailings went on sale the next week. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, Matt, I'm going to be smart about this. I'm going to book – my flights now with anticipation of which cruises I'm going to go on. So I'm going to, I knew which sailings I wanted to hit. Right. And I said, well, there's, I'm probably going to be able to go on these. So let's book airfare knowing that by the way, the airlines have still some flexible cancellation terms, being able to, you know, no cancellation fees. So if I had to change the flights, no big deal. I'll book it now. I'll lock in the prices before everybody else books. I'll get the best possible deal out there. Right? Well, maybe not. Because what ended up happening was Royal Caribbean, because of these cruises are a little different and selling out of the Bahamas, they actually added a number of flights to their airfare booking program called Air to Sea. And not only did they add these flights, they actually subsidized the fares. So basically, Royal Caribbean is giving a discount for booking flights through their program, um, which I did not anticipate happening at all. And uh, so... Did I pay extra for the flight yet? Yeah. And by the way, I could have canceled my flight and then rebooked it under air to sea. The problem is the airline will not give me a refund. So while I could get a, you know, a, let's call it a future cruise credit. While I could get a credit with the airline, you know, I don't want to spend, you know, however much money the, the flight is going to cost then to have it a credit and then pay the same amount or very similar amount again. Like you're paying for it twice, right? Even though you do get the credit eventually, like I'm, I'm too far gone on this one. So. For anyone going forward, especially if we're talking about cruises going out of the United, outside of the United States, like cruises out of Bermuda, uh, Cyprus, or anywhere else Royal Caribbean announces, you might want to hold off on booking airfare until at least you see what Air to Sea has to offer with that. So there's a lesson learned there. But I do have my flights booked. I have my hotel booked. I've already purchased. This is how you know it's getting real, guys. I've actually booked my stuff in the cruise planner, uh, You know your dining packages, some shore excursions and whatnot. But it's still very much a learning process. There's still a lot of questions left that we don't know yet. Number one, you know, the shore excursion policy. Royal Caribbean has not announced its full health protocols yet. They say we're going to get them about 30 days before the cruise. We'll see how close to 30 that is actually going to be. But, you know, things like, you know, will you be limited to only Royal Caribbean shore excursions? Where will you have to wear masks on board? Um, the exact nature of testing, where and when, limited capacity in which venues. Like, these are all things that we're still waiting to hear from Royal Caribbean on. Now, obviously... I'm going on the cruise no matter what. I mean, I you know I could wear a Darth Vader costume and I would still go on the cruise. My actually, my daughter would love if I, if that was the case. But um, you know, it, it, it's I think it's gonna be very similar to what we were seeing in with Quantum of the Season Singapore. But you know, obviously, we don't know the full extent of it, and I, I, a lot of it is changing. And not only that, obviously, as you're probably well aware, we haven't talked about the big the big thing about this cruise, and that's the vaccine. That the vaccine is required, and you know, this is a discussion that honestly could be an entire episode about, you know, will the cruise lines require vaccines? Because Royal Caribbean officially says they're not, they have not made a decision on if they will require the vaccine. But in the meantime, the vaccine is required for Adventure of the Seas, Vision of the Seas, Odyssey of the Seas, and uh, Jewel of the Seas. So it seems to be moving in that direction. And with the vaccine, you start to wonder, well, if everyone on the cruise ship is vaccinated, or at least all the adults are, you know, why do we still need to do X, Y, and Z in the health protocols? Because, you know, the, those health protocols like on quantum are based on no vaccines 
And that makes sense in that regard. So, you know, where, where's that middle ground? Where's that, you know, why are we doing X, Y, and Z? I personally think that this is going to be an evolving and organic situation. I think Royal Caribbean has no choice in the short term but to be overly cautious and overly what's the word not rule heavy but they have to they have to go above and beyond because of quite frankly public theater um you know in the same way that in a lot of places they're still taking your temperature when you walk into a venue which by the way is utterly useless okay it's not an indicator of that you have covid or not but people still do it it looks good it's good optics it's 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 people feel safer with it. That's an undeniable fact. Even though it doesn't actually do anything per se, it does make people feel better about it. So there's that aspect of it. There's also, by the way, the press aspect of it. And the media, by the way, still, still hating on cruises. Uh, the media loves to point out everything that happened like 14, 15 months ago on a cruise ship, you know, over in Asia. And, and they just, they're not going to let it go. So when cruises resume, that's going to get attention, right? When Adventure of the Sea sails, it's going to get attention. And when the first ship sails out of the U.S., it's going to get a lot of attention. And the last thing that I think the cruise lines want, in my opinion, is this is this footage the media has of a bunch of people walking on the ship, even though maybe they're all vaccinated, even though they're maybe doing 100 different protocols on board. You know, it, it's still a little bit of theater of that. And again, just my opinion on it. But I think going back to Adventure, I think as you progress, if things go well, let's say, we get through the June cruises, no problems, no outbreaks, certainly, no no major issues there. You know, as you get in there, I think these these rules will change and evolve, and you know, you might see a little more relaxation of the rules. But I am anticipating, and I could be wrong on this because as I just told you earlier, I <laughs> did not anticipate Nassau sailings or Bermuda sailings by any means. But um, I do I I do anticipate that early on you're going to have rules almost very similar, if not identical. In, in many cases, to what we're seeing on Quantum of the Season Singapore, but remains to be seen. Who knows? Because a lot is changing. We're still here. This episode is coming out uh, at the very end of March, so we still have all of April, all of May, and then into June. Now, think about how much has changed in this year in terms of what we know about the virus and protocols and vaccine. I mean, so much has changed. So anything's possible, and that's also why I think Royal Caribbean is obviously waiting till 30 days before the sailing to you know truly make a decision on what to do there, but it's a, I, I, nonetheless, I am truly excited. The thing that I think gives me the most pause right now uh, is just simply the negative test required to get into the Bahamas. So the Bahamas requires it up to five days. You have to get a negative test before you, before you arrive in the Bahamas and it has to be a negative PCR test. And it has to be, I believe, uh, no more than five days before you before you arrive. The issue is not getting a test. That's really easy. The problem is, can you get it in time? That's an issue. And that's kind of the biggest concern is just getting it in time because in a lot of places, um, you can get them within a couple of days, you know, like 24, 48, 72 hours, certainly 72 hours, no problem at all, but you've got to get it with enough time where I'm flying in, you know, you, you got to have enough time to do it. I don't think this is a major problem, by the way. I think a lot of these rules sound a lot worse than they are, but it's going to be an extra hurdle, something else we have to figure out and there are a number of resources that are out there. I've already done some research on it. In fact, there's a blog post I posted on Monday all about um, where you know what you need to do before the cruise. And none of this is like terribly difficult. I just, it's going to be another step involved with it. And for me, um, you know, I, I think we're just I'm looking for uh, hopefully a place that's going to be the quickest turnaround. That's almost I, nothing's guaranteed, but the best chances of it. That's probably the I think the hardest part about this. The rest of this. 
seems pretty simple enough. I mean, getting the vaccine, I have a lot of um, my wife is actually is about to get hers. And uh, here in Florida, we're, we're lucky enough that things are moving a little faster than other parts of the country. And I have a lot of faith I'll be able to get the vaccine here in early April at the very least. And that will mean that I'll be fully vaccinated well before our June 12th sailings. I'm not too worried about that, as, as I say this and I <laughs> jinx myself. But, you know, um, apart from that, I mean, it's, it's going to be, um, you know, more of the same in a lot of cases, especially in terms of the pre-planning. We got our passports renewed for the kids. That was a bit of a new thing because our passports, had la- the kids, one of the kids' passports lapsed during the shutdown and the other is about to lapse. And during the shutdown, I was like, well, whatever, we're not going anywhere anyway. I'm not going to worry too much about it. Plus, the for a while there, the State Department didn't actually accept new passports. But um, that has changed. And we've gotten actually the first kid's passport that we processed last month is already back. So we got the new one and we just sent off the other one. So things are moving really well with this. But I am truly excited for this. I did get, by the way, for the back-to-back. I know some of you might be wondering about this. We'll talk more about this in the preview. But I did get the same room for the back-to-back sailing. Um, we're in a aft suite on the back of the ship, which is going to be really nice for the two weeks that we're on there. And I got to tell you guys, um, the the only good thing about all this, uh, all these canceled cruises before is, boy, did I have a lot of FCC future cruise credits to burn because I apply. I was like, my my travel agent told me how much I, I was like, oh, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, apply that. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's not so bad when you've got all that money to 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 burn, so to speak. So that was a nice thing about this, and you know. Um, why they picked adventure is another good question. I wanted to talk about that. Why adventure? Why vision? Why jewel? These are the three ships, by the way, that have, at least as of the recording of this podcast, been announced to restart sailings, um, without the CDC, right? So, uh, adventure in Nassau, Bahamas, uh, vision out of Bermuda and jewel out of Cyprus. It's kind of surprising because I think a lot of people would have assumed, oh, well, whenever Royal Caribbean is going to restart cruises, it's going to be with their biggest, newest ships, right? Symphony of the Seas, Harmony of the Seas. And they picked adventure. One of the Vision class ships, not even the arguably the most revitalized ship. Uh, Vision, literally one of the oldest ships in the fleet. And Jewel, solid middle ground of what I just talked about over there. And, you know, Jewel makes a little more sense. You're talking about Greek Isles. You're not putting a Harmony, uh, an Oasis class ship or a Harmony for that matter over in there. Okay, fine. I mean, I think it was kind of interesting they picked Cyprus, but I'm sure Rill knows the market better than I do. So we'll just, we're going to sidestep that for a second and focus purely on Vision and Adventure, you know, out of these places. You know, why wasn't it Navigator or Mariner, the ships that I think we all assumed was going to be the case? Why wasn't it an Oasis-class ship sailing out of there? You know, the only answer I can come up with is, well, for for Bermuda, it makes a lot of sense. You're out of Bermuda, you're going to do a Vision-class ship. You can't fit a bigger ship over there. I mean, that's not true, actually. I take that back because, obviously, Quantum-class ships go there. Anthem goes to Bermuda during the summer all the time. So, okay, I take that back. I don't know. Um, The only thing I can think of is that Royal Caribbean is looking at the at the board and they're saying, okay, listen, we're going to take a ship out of what it was scheduled to do and we're going to put this in the Bahamas or, or Bermuda. And by doing that, we're taking a little bit of a risk here in the sense that obviously we got to cancel everything we had on the books, rebook people over here on, on these cruises and hope they sell well. But in the meantime, maybe there's a chance the scheduled cruises will still go on. Maybe there's a chance that cruises out of Port Canaveral, Miami, New York, or Bayonne, right? We'll be able to sail. And if they do sail, those ships will make way more money out of there than they will in the Bahamas or Bermuda. And that's the only explanation I can think of is that Royal was willing to say, okay, vision and adventure, willing to, willing to, you know, um, 
risk it over there, not much of a risk, but keeping the Oasis classships where they are currently is still the better long game for the summer anyway. It's it's arguable because I would argue, well, at this point, a ship that's you know basically guaranteed to sail is way better than a ship that might sail, but you know, that's somebody else's call, I guess, at Miami headquarters there. But I was a little surprised to see both, especially Adventure. I just would have thought it would have been, you know, I, I could have easily seen an Oasis class or Freedom class or even Navigator or Mariner from the Voyager class. So a little surprising there. But the nice thing about Adventure is it did get a revitalization, not an amplification. Um, Adventures, <laughs> you, you almost need a flowchart for Adventures refurbishments. So Adventure of the Seas got, uh, was supposed to, in 2016, she was supposed to get a revitalization, not an amplification. This is before the Royal Amplified program came out. She was supposed to get some, basically some upgrades. Similar to, if you remember what Liberty of the Seas got, Liberty of the Seas got a water slide and um, a couple other things on there. Adventure, it was Adventure's turn. So this is before a Royal Amplified program. So she was going to get Splashaway Bay, a couple of new restaurants, water slides, things like that. So she... She got some of the work done. Then Hurricane Matthew came and disrupted it. So she went back again in 2018 to get the rest of it done. Okay, so two dry docks for one revitalization. And then in 2021, she was scheduled to get her amplification, which Royal Caribbean never announced what it would be, but let's assume it's going to be similar to Mariner Navigator, you know, maybe a Sky Pad, maybe a Bamboo Lounge. Uh, they already got the water slide, so that's already there. You know, who knows? Some other things and, and whatnot. But that was canceled or on hold, I think technically it's on pause, but an indefinite hold. But in the meantime, Adventure still has more, go like as opposed to Explorer of the Seas, which has no upgrades in terms of water slides and and, and whatnot. So uh, Adventure actually has a little bit going for it. It's got water, it's got the water slides. It's got Splashaway Bay, which my kids absolutely love. So there we go, I'm covered there. It has the Zoomy and the Royal Promenade, kind of a weird one, but we'll see how that works. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a revitalization, not an amplification, but hey, I'll take it. I'm excited for it. Uh, ship I haven't been on before and looking through some of the photos and videos I found online, it looks pretty darn nice. And um, again, for me, the uh, the opportunity to, to uh, cook a key is really what two days. My goodness. Talk about making up for lost time. Can't wait for it. And we're really beginning four nights out of this four days at a perfect day because we're doing the back to back. So um, it's incredible. And I'm just so excited that we're going to have cruises going again. That to me is the biggest takeaway is that, you know, there's actually an opportunity for Americans and anybody really to go on a cruise this summer. That is the big deal. That is the big news. And that is what I really, I, I'm in disbelief, quite frankly, still two weeks later. Plus, I'm still thinking, I can't believe it because we've just been in this shutdown for such a long time that it's like, wow, it's actually going to happen. And here we are. So I can't wait. And of course, we'll have. Plenty of live coverage, live blogs, uh, photos, videos. I mean, you name it. It's going to be a lot of Adventure of the Seas coverage to go on there. So if, it, if you have a cruise coming up this summer on Adventure or you're still sitting on the fence and you're not sure about it, no worries. We got you covered and we'll have all that at royalcaribbeanblog.com. It's time to answer your listener emails, but I want to take a quick moment here and say thank you because you know, we're talking obviously in this episode about Adventure of the Seas restarting cruises, and I I think I need to take a moment and say thank you to everybody listening, reading, watching. You know, we've had a year plus without cruises, right? And we're in the beginnings of it restarting. But in the meantime, so many of you have still been here week after week, day after day, 
reading, commenting, sharing, everything here at RoyalCreamBlog.com. And I truly appreciate it because as you might imagine, a lot of other people, you know, just said, oh, there's no cruises. Okay, well, we're checking out. We'll be back, you know, whenever cruises ever restart, you know, who knows, right? And there's obviously less interest in cruising in general, but so many of you have been, uh, you know, diehard uh, supporters of what we're doing here and coming back week after week when there's been many weeks in which there's been absolutely nothing to talk about, but you're still here. And whether we're talking about cruise stories on the podcast here, uh, blog posts, about a variety of topics about cruising, our YouTube videos, I really appreciate it. And of course, chief among them, I have to say a big, 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 big thank you to the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders. The insiders are people who donate to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. It's kind of like, you know, PBS, where you make a monthly donation to help support the programming. That's basically what the insider program is. And if you're interested in becoming an insider, you can become one by going to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash support. RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash support. There's also a link in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. But, uh, you know, it, it, I just, I, I got out the emails and I'm getting ready to read them. And I said, wait a minute, Matt. We, we, this is the perfect, I mean, I should be saying thank you every single episode, let's be fair. But I also think this is the perfect opportunity to really hit the pause button for a second and say, I appreciate what you guys do. There is no RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com without you. Um, I, I'm not able to do half the things without the support of everybody, including the insider. So I just want to say thank you for listening and for, for supporting RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. It means the world to me. And so I, I just hope that's not lost on anybody there. But um, we're going to get to the emails. And our first email is from a great supporter of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and an insider, Mr. Ron Ladowski, who writes, Hi, Matt. I just listened to episode 397, Things I Wish More Cruisers Knew About Going on a Cruise. The first recommendation you mentioned is new doesn't always mean better. And I agree with the idea that not only relegating your cruise experience to only the newest and biggest Royal Caribbean ships, you mentioned a reason as being cost per, per cruise. The older ships are less expensive than a cruise on Oasis or Quantum Class ships. I immediately thought of another reason for cruising on an older ship. I was sure you would mention it also, so I waited and waited, and now you switched to recommendation two. How much time to a good travel agent can save? Let's take a step back for a moment. The one thing cruisers should also take into consideration are the ports of call. Many of the newest and biggest ships cannot meet the physical limitations in place of some ports, either heights or bridges, with the passageways or depth of water. For example, I have an 11 night cruise, Southern Caribbean, booked for April 2022 on Vision of the Seas. It visits Puerto Limon, Costa Rica, Colon, Panama, Cartagena, Colombia, and overnight in Aruba and Williamstead, Curacao. It will be my first time on a Vision class ship, and I'm sure this ship class is utilized by Royal Caribbean because of the limitations I mentioned earlier. I've also read that the ship's lacks in what the ship lacks in size, the crew makes up for in service. So to all your listeners, please consider ports of call in addition to price when booking your upcoming cruise. Take care and I hope you cruise again with you soon. Heck, to cruise with anyone soon. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. And hey, you're absolutely right. I mean, ports of call are important. I think if you're a brand new cruiser, never cruised before, you know. Go with me on this, Ron. I, I feel like the ports don't matter as much for a brand new cruiser because, I mean, whether you're visiting the Bahamas, Cozumel, the Southern, you know, Panama, I mean, they're all going to be amazing and beautiful. They're all great places to visit. But if you cruise more than once or twice, yes, that's a very good point. And for a lot of people, uh, especially Americans, there is this idea of, you know, port fatigue where people are really, you know, like, oh, we're going to the same places again. How many times can I go to Cozumel? Which, by the way, the answer is unlimited for me. But, you know, for, for some people, they can only stomach. My parents, as an example, hate going to Cozumel because they've just been there so many times. They want to go somewhere different. And 
absolutely true that not all the ships go to the same places. And I think, Ron, that is an excellent point. So thank you for uh, bringing that up because uh, I think you're you're spot on about that, quite frankly. Next email is from uh, Bob from upstate New York. When did cruise fares differentiate between refundable and non-refundable? And what brought about this change? If I remember correctly, there used to be only one fare and refunds declining in value as the sale date approached. I appreciate the value of having a fully refundable fare during these uncertain times. Thanks for the email, Bob. So Royal Caribbean announced the non-refundable program back in, I looked it up, uh, May 2017. So there are two types of fares, refundable and non-refundable. Refundable is the old style that you're referring to, where you basically book a cruise under refundable cruise fare, and you can cancel it up until final payment date. And then after up until final payment, date, you get a full refund, cash back um, for any money you paid. After final payment date, you would get, like you mentioned, a there'd be a penalty associated with canceling, but... You know, that's associated with being, you know, after final payment date with non-refundable. It's a little bit different. You get uh, you up to final payment date. You can cancel, but you're subject to a change fee. Not only canceling, changing the sale date or the ship also incurs a change fee. It's kind of similar to what airlines and uh, mostly airlines do. I mean, rental cars, not so much, but airlines do, you know, where you incur a change fee essentially for changing your reservation. Now, the upside is the non-refundable cruise for will save you a little bit of money on there. But Bob, I'm with you, man. I prefer and I recommend everybody get refundable cruise fare just for the flexibility that it provides. But it is a option that's available out there. And pre-COVID, you know, for a lot of people, it's just like, man, I'm going to save $100, $200. And I'm going to get non-refundable and, and just go with that way. I just like the flexibility. I just like you never know what you don't know, especially when you're booking cruises months or years in advance. But to each their own. And listen, somebody pointed out to me, I forget. This has been, I think, more than one person has pointed out to me that, you know, if you're booking the cruise years in advance and you're saving, you know, you fast forward now a year later, right? And, you know, yes, you may incur a change for changing cruises, but the amount of money you saved by booking it well in advance, you know, the change fee may be offset by the fact that how much money you're saving. There's, there's, a, there's some strategy or, or truth to that as well. But I just think at the end of the day, I, I'd rather pay. A, it's not a ton more. It's not like you're paying double or anything like that. You're paying a little bit more for non-refundable. And for me... Uh, I, I get the refundable cruise fare and I'm, I'm quite happy with that. So, uh, by the way, the you have the option. Um, the only exception, of course, if you're booking a suite or a guaranteed room, you have to take non-refundable. But for other for other room types like balconies and ocean view and inside, you have the option to do uh, refundable or non-refundable. Our next email is from James Woodward from Stephenville, Texas. Hey, Matt, just listen to episode 397. I had one more suggestion for your list. If you don't know, ask. There's so many things to know about booking and taking a cruise. I'm not sure anyone can know everything about every cruise. I know some people find it embarrassing to ask questions because that's basically admitting I don't know. Every once in a while, I'll read a Facebook post or an article or something from somebody who went on a cruise and missed out on a really significant opportunity because they just didn't know how it worked and did not want to ask a question. I read from people that didn't go on the main dining room because they thought it cost extra. I read from people who didn't go to shows in the main theater because they thought that cost extra. Unfortunately, they didn't ask someone if there was an extra charge or not. What a shame they missed out on this part of the cruise because they just didn't ask. Every crew member on board wants every cruiser to have an amazing experience. I've never asked a crew member a question and gotten the feeling that they had wished I hadn't asked. They're happy to share information, tell you how things work, and tell you the best way to enjoy your cruise. You may not get the answer you hope for, but at least you'll know. Thanks so much for all your advice you provide us over the years. Congratulations on what is already going to be 400 episodes of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. James, thank you so much. And yeah, episode 400, huh? Not how I envisioned celebrating 400 episodes, but 
yeah, it's kind of funny. I completely forgot to, this is episode 400 because I record the, um, the episode before I do the intro because I don't know what I'm talking about until I do the episode. <laughs> and I just completely forgot this is episode 400. So yay, episode 400. Woo! All the confetti here in the studio going off right now. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, thank you very much. I mean, I really, it, it's incredible that we've been doing this because I remember I recorded the first episode. If I'm not mistaken, the first episode was in 2013 when I was just, I think we just come back from Jewel of the Seas. Southern Caribbean. I was living in New York. I had one kid. Um, it w- t- To say that there was a night and day difference between episode one and episode 400 here that you're listening to would be a vast understatement. But again, as I said just before the listener questions began, it's all because of you guys. Thank you for everything you guys do because if you didn't listen, if you didn't email in, the, the, I would have stopped the podcast going, I'm listening to this. I don't need this for my own purposes. I'm not, I don't need this kind of uh, therapy. I can, I can, I can talk to myself without recording it. And, but this is even better. And uh, I really, truly appreciate it. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we have one, uh, we have time for another email or two. And that's going to be the first one's from Mike Pastori Ritz. Hey, Matt, just wanted to congratulate you on your 400th podcast. It's great when things took an odd, it's great that when things took an odd and unexpected turn last year, you were able to adapt and keep producing great content. The crew stories were great, and I appreciate you having me on for episode 352. Things seem to be looking up these days, so hopefully I get to see you on and many others from the Royal Queen blog community on Harmony of the Seas this November for the Royal Queen blog group cruise. Thanks for always keeping us up to date on all things Royal Queen. Mike, as always, my friend, thank you so much. appreciate that. And uh, we got time for one more email. It's going to be from Neil, who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for... As always, for continued enthusiasm, seeing us through these cruise-free months. One of your rules for cruising is to always raise any issues you have on board, and I wanted to give an example of how well this works. We were on a 14-day cruise from Sydney in New- around New Zealand and then back on Radiance of the Seas. The first two days are crossing the Tasman Sea, so there was a bit of movement, which was enough to cause a disrupting squeak on our patio doors, especially at night. We reported to guest services, and an Im- an immediately turned out maintenance person arrived the following morning at our cabin to sort it out. Seeing we were in the cabin, he did not wish to disturb us, so he said he would come back in an hour. And by the time we came back, we came back to the cabin later. The doors were fixed, and we had a free meal in a special restaurant to offer as an apology. Our cabin was an aft balcony cabin with a huge balcony, which almost went underneath the Sydney Harbor Bridge when we pulled out of the berth for departure. It was, however, located underneath the rear seating area of the Windjamere. Rookie mistake. On night three, we were awoken by chairs being moved and the deck being jet washed, which was really disturbing. Within 10 minutes of reporting it, it had stopped. However, it happened again a few nights later. Having reported it a second time, we came back to our cabin later that day and found an apology letter and a credit for 15% of the value of our cruise we put towards a future cruise. As this was a long and expensive cruise, we managed to book a seven-night Mediterranean cruise with this credit. Throughout the whole process, from the very polite and excellent maintenance man to the people who answered the calls, the crew were really helpful and not expecting anything in the way of compensation. We feel Royal Caribbean really went the extra mile to apologize for these two issues. The cruise was absolutely stunning with amazing people and scenery in New Zealand, coupled with two fantastic chef's table experiences. We love the art auction, so if you ever want to hear feedback on those, please don't hesitate to ask. I hope this helps confirm to your listeners the benefits of polite, reasonable complaints while on board. Neil, great email. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And it's a great example of, again, just don't be afraid to speak up. You're not being a bother. You know, we, we've talked about this a couple of times in Neil's email, email before this, you know, at the end of the day, they want to get it right. And that's a really important thing. Uh, I remember we were, the, your, your story reminded me of one thing. 
We were on a cruise um, somewhat recently, and uh, we were at Izumi Hibachi, which I absolutely love. And uh, Hibachi, as you know, is a communal experience. So it's not just you at the table. It's you and whoever else has booked that, that particular table. And uh, we, it's t the table, I think, accommodates, um, I don't know, eight or ten people, right? So we get there. My family's there. And another family gets there. And there's about, I, I think there were like three or four seats available. And we're sitting there and waiting. And uh, we're waiting. And I can see what time it is. Okay, now our, our uh, the official time of dinner has started. Okay, we're still waiting. Uh, we wait 10 minutes later. We wait 20 minutes later. Eventually, we get to, I think, 30 or 40 minutes later. And eventually, the other party showed up. And I was annoyed by this. Because... And so at the end of the meal, I went quietly over to the, the maitre d' and I said, listen, this is not, I'm not looking for anything. I'm just simply saying, if someone is more than about five or 10 minutes late, you got to start the meal. It's not fair to us who show up on time that you're, you know, you're making us wait. I mean, again, I don't, I don't expect it's a cruise ship. Okay. What a couple minutes. I think we all understand I'm being a little late, right? Oops. I had to go to the bathroom. I left this. Okay. But when you're half an hour late. That's I'm, you missed the meal. Sorry, you missed it. And either we can, you know, just give them somewhere else, turn them away. I don't know what, but don't punish us. And you know, I said this obviously very, very nicely to the to the to the major D. And I said I don't want anything for this. I'm just simply saying I don't want to encounter this later on on another cruise. So you know, food for thought, improve, yay everybody, right? Cool. Well, guess what happened? Yep, in my room there was a there was a letter, and I got a, a free meal. I think again to come back. So I begrudgingly, maybe not that begrudgingly, I went back to Izumi, had another meal. But, you know, the point is, is let them know when there is a problem. So the ways they can improve. And, you know, as you just heard, hey, sometimes you get a little something, something out of it. Sometimes you don't. I don't wouldn't say you should be complaining for the sake of getting something out of it. That's not the point of this. The point of this is they can make your cruise better for you overall, whether it's a noise or what have you. It's a better experience overall. So. There you go. Thank you for the emails. And if you want to have your email read right here on the podcast, you can do so by emailing it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.